Hey icons, it's Jen Spiegel, mama four, serial entrepreneur, and your business and lifestyle BFF. I'm here to build a community of like-minded women who are willing to dust themselves off time and time again. We stand tall and brave and courageous in our journeys, and we really become focused and committed to showing and shining a light on our God-given gifts. Let's be iconic together. Okay, icons, I hope you are ready to learn some new and exciting things today from a very special guest who I feel like I know and we feel like we know each other because we share a mutual friend and uh, who is also our business coach at one point. And I've been keeping my eye on her. And this is Mallory Rowan. I'm excited to share with her with you for multiple reasons. I think she's somebody who is authentic, who walks the talk, who is willing to do the do, but also has had experience and can really teach you through what she's learned, what not to do and also what to do. So Mallory has actually grown a global multi six-figure business, but when she did, it nearly killed her. After hustling so hard for four years, her body completely gave out. She put everything on pause, refocused and on creating more of a sustainable lifestyle and built her next six-figure business with an entirely new approach. So I'm excited to dive into that. Now Mallory helps entrepreneurs build without burnout and create businesses that align with what they really want from life. And that to me is like soul food, <laughs> love language. Welcome to Becoming Iconic Mallory. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited to be here and finally actually connect, like you said. (laughs) It feels like long overdue, but you know, I do, before we get started, want to make sure people, as they're listening to you, know exactly where to go to find you. So I know your Instagram, you are very active over there. And so that's Mallory Rowan. Everybody go and check her out, follow, love. You'll get lots of goodies, but you're also giving us a freebie today, which I think is so generous and nice. So anybody listening in, if you want to learn about your IG bio and how to really optimize that, go to MalloryRowan.com slash IG bio. And she's going to give you a freebie today for listening in. So I think you're going to want to run over there once you hear all of her expertise and wisdom. So thanks again for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So I love getting to know people and I find, you know, the more we can get into your background and your story, the more connected we are to who you are and what you teach in current day. So tell me, would you mind talking a little bit about your past and your childhood and what that was all like? Yeah, for sure. So I think two of the things that probably are like most standout for, I guess, building me into the person that I am today would be one that I grew up in dance. So I grew up in competitive dance, which really teaches you how to like be disciplined, but outside of it teaches you organization too, because you have to find that time to squeeze in your homework when you're at the dance studio every night and on the weekends. And the second half would probably be that I am a third born child of three girls. So those tie into each other a lot too, because it was kind of like everything my sisters did, I did. So one did certain styles of dance, the other did others. So I had to do all of it. (laughs) And I think a lot of what makes me who I am is partially that third child mentality. Like I always say, I love change. Like I thrive off of it. I thrive off the exciting, the different. And I think I've just always kind of chased that a lot because of like, you know, with dance, there was so much change, you know, you're doing all these different routines all this time. And then being a third born, you're like, well, I'm going to try this thing that they're doing. And you're just exposed to so much, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm an only child. So I, I just mm. like soak up yeah. stories. <laughs> I, I just think it's so incredible and such a gift in life to be able to have those experiences with people in your own home and, and those mentors, as soon as you come to life, right? I mean, you're just raised with mentors and a sisterhood, which I think 
think is so special. Yeah, especially having two sisters, right? Because we could go through phases of sometimes being closer with one or leaning on one more than the other because they are both very different people too, right? So you actually have like those different sources of like, well, maybe I feel more comfortable talking to this sister about X, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love hearing that. So it sounds like you had a really happy childhood and things went well. So where did that lead you? Did you go to university? What did you do after high school? Yeah. So after high school, I ended up going to Carleton University in Ottawa. My parents were really great providing and supporting for us. It was also really important for them that we were responsible for paying for our education. So that was something that Um, you know, I worked and I went to school and I stayed in Ottawa partially because it was so much more expensive to go elsewhere. But also I actually did the Carleton journalism program. So I decided if journalism was what I wanted to take, there was really no better program than Carleton. So that was kind of a plus. And that was a really fun experience because it's a university program, but it really is more typical to what we'd see in a college program, right? It was very applied. It wasn't exams at the end of the year. It was like, hey, in this class, you're going to write 10 articles over the next 10 weeks, right? And you're going to cover real events and you're going to learn how to make a TV segment and edit it and use those studios late into the night. So that was like a really, really fun experience that taught me so much of what I still use now, right? To edit a video, to edit audio, all of those skills. I was actually able to learn in school, which was really, really cool. I love applied learning too. Like get me in there, get me dirty, get my fingers wet and what exactly. I'm trying to learn. Yeah. Cause it's, there's no better way. Sometimes we go off to school. And I mean, you hear this story so often people go and they think they want to do something They're you know, think that that's their path. And then they get into school with all those expenses and it's completely different what they end up doing at mm-hmm. the end of that degree. So did you get into journalism? Did that lead you into that? Is that something you did as a career for a while? I've always kind of done related stuff on the sidelines. I actually didn't want to fully go into journalism, which is like the interesting piece. So I did journalism with a minor in business Uh and some people really got that. And some people didn't because like I said, you learned so many skill sets being in a journalism program. I knew those were all going to be things I could apply, but it also gave me some freedom, like being that person that loves change. I get bored easily. Right. So in a program where, you know, your assignment is go cover an event. It meant that the people that wanted to be sports broadcasters could go cover a sports game. And I would always find like business related events to cover because I just wanted to tap into as many businesses as possible to see how they work, see if there's something I haven't even thought about that I might love. So it was a way to get my education and learn a lot of applicable skills, but actually still keep exploring what I wanted to do, right? Because I could interview all these people. I could find a reason to be in the room for a lot of stuff, which was really, really cool learning experience. Absolutely. What was your favorite or most memorable thing that you covered? I think one of the like coolest things in terms of when you're young and just like, it was a very cool experience was when Nordstrom first came to Ottawa. We only have one here in the mall. And when it first came, I got to do like the media tour, like it hadn't opened, but they included me on the list because our publication was actually like a real publication that we wrote for, which was also cool in itself. So you were getting your work published. But yeah, I got to go on the media tour and you get all this special treatment because they just want you to enjoy it. And you're like, I'm just a 20 something. <laughs> like you don't have to <laughs> really like be schmoozing me up, you know? Um, So that was definitely like a really, really fun one. And then other than that, I would just say like diving into different people's businesses. Like I just got to ask so many questions that normally I want to ask, but it's never the right setting, right? 
Right, right. You were learning real life experiences, plus being in school, learning about business. I mean, that is such immersion into becoming a business and entrepreneur person yourself. It's interesting to see how it all unfolds for people and what that can look like. Totally. And and I started working in an office like from first year on because I knew how important it was for me to get that quote unquote real world experience. I didn't want to be working in the mall in university. I knew I wanted to work in the field. And that also really shaped me because those first jobs that were very much cubicle jobs, I thought I was going to lose my mind. (laughs) And some people love it, right? They thrive in that space. But for me, it was even just the idea of like all summer long, I was in like a giant air conditioned building, not near a window. And that killed me, right? You would go out at lunch and you're like, it's so beautiful out. And I'm sitting in this cold space with a sweater on, right? And just seeing how much politics were involved in bigger corporations too was really telling to me. And it just was like, wow, this is so exhausting. Like, even if you have a great idea, there's like so many reasons it can be shut down because it has to go through all these hoops and it just gets lost in the noise. So I quickly shifted into, I actually, the next year, remember turning down the opportunity to stay at this company because I was going to take an unpaid internship with a startup because I was just like, there's something about it where I just need to do it. And it eventually led to a paid position, but it was a really, really cool shift for lots of reasons too, because it was showing me startup culture and gave me so many opportunities because I basically was the marketing team from a young age. And then being in a super male dominant business, that's all just men in their late twenties. I also kind of became HR because apparently as like a woman, I was probably the most qualified, we'll say to do that role. Right. So I got to interview new people that were looking to come in. So I got to explore that way too. That's neat. So what made you go from cubicle other than the obvious, what you told us, like, I, I, I totally understand what you were saying. I, mm-hmm. I did the cubicle life for a while too, and it was so suffocating mm-hmm. and so political. And if you wanted to put in more hours and work harder, it really, at the end of the day, didn't make a difference to the outcome for you other yeah. than feeling good. Like you felt good that you did more than what was expected, but control over your journey through that company was so to me limited. And I I felt very restricted. So I totally get the reason why you'd want to leave, but what was that push? What, What made you make that leap? Because I'm thinking of people listening in going, Oh, that sounds like me, but they're afraid to take a leap into something new. Yeah. So if we get a little like woo woo into human design is something that I recently have really taken to, um, I I, like my gut has always been what tells me what to do. And the reason I say that about human design is that's part of my human design. And for some people, it's not their gut, right? So I don't like to just tell everyone to follow their gut. But for me, there was just something in my gut that was like, you cannot do another year of this. And it was funny. I actually met a guy. He was like a bartender that I had connected with to like get on guest list or something. And then we became friends and he also worked at this startup. And so I started looking, I knew I didn't want to stay at the same company. So I started looking and then that opportunity came up and it just felt like this whole other world, right? Like I went to the interview, I think in like a like black summer dress and a jean jacket, right? Just a total different mood. And that was so appealing to me. I loved the idea of breaking norms. I don't believe in a lot of rules that exist. So even just the whole, like, you don't have to work nine to five, you can wear whatever you want. We were actually in like a startup incubator. So we were in a space with 
other businesses. So that was also really cool. And I always remember the moment because it's also very much like a, as we'd say, a first world problem. I remember they asked me on the spot once at this company, like if I was going to stay, because if not, they were going to put out applications for students. And I remember having a total meltdown in the staircase. And I called my mom and I just felt like you said, suffocated. I felt so trapped that I actually was crying in a staircase that somebody had offered me a job, right? (laughs) Because I was like, I don't want to do it. And that was really the moment to me, that's like, you're literally having a physical reaction to this, right? So you need to get out of that situation. Okay. What's Mm -hmm. your human design? So I'm a manifesting generator. I don't know if you're okay. I was like, I don't know if you know what this is. Yeah. 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 I'm just learning too. I have somebody who's kind Mm. of walking me through that. And um, yeah, it's, we, we definitely have intuition. So I I like to hear that you're so young and you're hearing that already and following that. It's so good. Yeah. And it was, it was actually a really like eye-opening experience for me because I, I see these people, right. That have a one track passion and I can be very envious of it and feel like I haven't found my thing. And then when I did the human design, like uh, obviously some people won't know fully what we're talking about here, but you know, it has this idea that some things in us are set and some are a little bit more malleable. And for me, like there was like three set ones and everything else was open. And that really helped me understand, like, I'm never going to find myself because I love that change. I'm always learning. I'm always shifting. And that gave me so much peace when I learned that last year, because it was like, okay, there's never going to be a thing. Mm. There's never going to be this point where I feel like this is the final version of me. I am who I am. I'm going to be that person that like is always, always changing. And I rest in that. Like that to me is such a relief, right? To Mm -hmm. know, okay, so... I don't have to be anxious about finding this thing. I can just evolve and mold to whatever is speaking to me in that moment and just do a really good job at that mm-hmm. and embrace that as a part of the future, whatever that will end up being. I think it'll be many spokes to the wheel for sure for us. Exactly. That is our thing in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And it's to me very encouraging. But at the same time, I agree. There's very appealing things too about, you know, having that person in your life who's like, oh, I know I, my daughter, my 16 year old daughter, she knows she wants to be an orthopedic surgeon. Like that is her thing. Right. Oh my gosh. At 16, I wasn't even like thinking about next weekend yet. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I'm so like not envious. That's not the right word. Um, appreciative. That's the right mm-hmm. word. I'm appreciative yes. of someone who like knows their path and knows where they want to go, but I definitely don't share that kind of vision, you know, in terms of what it looks like for me. Yeah. That's cool. So intriguing to us. I feel we're like, how do you know? No, you know, (laughs) like really, really no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel you. So, okay. I love this story. I love how this is unfolding. So you were in this corporate cubicle career, realize like it's suffocating. I need something else. You move into the startup and then you really get to play. You're Mm -hmm. doing HR and you're doing marketing and all these things. So tell me what happens next. What, what's the next step for you? I took a entrepreneurship class at Carleton and the first class I took, you know, we did a group project. You had to come up with a business and you had to pitch it. And I was like, we came up with some toothbrush with these features and I did not care about it. You know, like I did the good project, but I was like, I am not passionate about this (laughs) pretend business. And then the next year, um, in the class, they really, and Carleton is great for this. They really encourage you to like make your projects around businesses you actually want to pursue. So like the whole room was pretty much working on real businesses as opposed to this theoretical, which was really, really 
um, exciting and also just a cool moment to be like, oh, I can actually do this because you think right after school or something. And so I recently got into powerlifting as a sport, which there's a lot less women in. Now it's really, really growing, but it was still very new for women. And a lot of people still aren't comfortable with the idea of, or don't understand the idea of women lifting heavy, right? So I knew I wanted to do something around that. And I actually started brainstorming a lot. And I was brainstorming with my training partner who just like the year before had recently become my best friend. And we decided we were going to work on this together because he was also like really, really into it. And like, that's the one part of my story that's a blur. I'm like, how did you end up working with me on this? (laughs) Because they did say like, you know, you can have partners outside of the class because you might actually have a business partner. But so we started working on it. And that was really a turning point for me of realizing that I could actually lead instead of being like the best employee at the startup, I could actually be running the startup. And that was a really cool transition. And one I don't think I would have made without him because I'm very like also type A and want everything to be perfect. And he was like, let's do it. Right. So we just started working on it. And we started working on a lifestyle brand for powerlifters because it was so new. There wasn't that solid community. There were such great people in powerlifting, but all we had to connect us was like Instagram. That was where we were all connecting, but there wasn't something we all related to, right? Like Nike wasn't doing anything for powerlifters. Adidas, it didn't really get a seat at the table. Okay. So we also just being students on a budget, we're like, well, let's start with this because then all these other really cool, fun ideas can come later under that, that brand. And that's when I really started to transition to starting my own thing. Start the car. Do you remember that Ikea commercial where the lady felt like she underpaid for high value and ran to the car, got in the car and herself out of the parking lot is one of my favorite commercials ever. And that is truly how people are feeling by using my free 14 day launch strategy that's available on my website. Just go to jenspiegel.com, J-E-N-S-Z-Z, whatever one you want, (laughs) P-I-G-I-E-L. So that's J-E-N S-Z-R-Z-P-I-G-I-E-L.com. Go there and download it. And here are some real life results from people who have been using this across all spectrums of online entrepreneurship. We've got Allison, who is a network marketer, had never done an online network marketing business before. She utilized this strategy to really help elevate her success while getting the news out there that she had aligned with this new brand. She launched with 31 people globally on her Zoom launch, which resulted in massive sales and new business partnerships. Then we have Susan who launched a new podcast and really didn't know how to do that online and generate the excitement and the promotion of this new podcast. She utilized the strategy and within 24 hours hit new and noteworthy in both categories where her podcast sit. Then we have coaches and too many to name, to be honest with you, who have utilized this strategy for their different programs or services or initiatives that they're bringing out there. And it was resulted in no less than five figures and up to six figure launches, friends. It is story after story after story of people having success with this. And I want it for you. I should mention too, those of you in e-commerce just had a brand new e-commerce business use this strategy. Who They found it on my website and utilized it. And they contacted me and said, without a doubt, the success of our launch was following your 14-day launch strategy. You took all the guesswork out of what to post and how often to post and how to 
really generate excitement, momentum around our new brand. We're so excited. We can't wait to shout it from the rooftops. So I am proud, honored, and privileged to be a part of launches. It is the most exciting time in people's lives and businesses. And I've been launching businesses for over 15 years thousands of businesses okay so it has come from massive experience learning the do's and the don'ts and i've wrapped it all up in a pretty bow with a freebie for you so go head over to the website download it and make sure to tag me on your next launch because friends i am all about locking arms and cheering each other on which obviously is a long journey in itself but that's where i started to shift away from the startup and realize you know the startup was fun but a lot of the startup was also very classic men in tech. And as I got older, I think the jokes became less funny, right? And the jokes right. became more inappropriate. And it was just hitting a point of like, that's not really the environment I want to be in every day. And yeah, so I started working on my own thing. And I actually ended up going back to corporate, which was oh. scary in itself. But it was one of those things where this opportunity came up. It was like for a fresh grad, it was the salary of a lifetime. It was someone I had worked with previously that was a really great internal champion for me. So I actually had an office in a space that was mostly cubicles. I had a lot of freedom. So it kind of was checking all the boxes of like, Hey, this would be a great vehicle for me to work on my business in a way that felt really secure. So it was a bit of like selling my soul, but I could justify it because it really allowed me to have that space to even have benefits for myself and my partner. So that partner was talking about, we actually ended up dating at the same time. That's beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, we at that point had moved in together. And so my benefits were able to secure both of us. And so it created that really nice, comfortable space. And I think for people who are doing the double, um, you know, working corporate and the side hustle, it's also important to know like it's okay to do both, right? And it's okay to push through it if it's really allowing you to do the thing that you want to move into eventually. That too is like a whole conversation. And maybe I can ask you some of these questions because it's just having a conversation with somebody else about this. And it feels like it's reoccurring for me is when you make that separation, when you make the leap, because mm -hmm. I think naturally we have a constant lives, like something we can feel safe. And that comes to a point where when does it make sense for someone to say, okay, I'm put, I'm going all in for myself. This is scary. It won't be constant, but I'm ready. Do you have any sort of advice for someone listening in who's doing that right now? Like kind of in that transition mode. It's like a bit of an oxymoron in itself, but it's almost like, don't just listen to people's advice on it across the board because you really have to know yourself, right? Somebody might be comfortable making that leap with a hundred dollars in their bank account someone that would be like the biggest mistake because then they're going to fall flat on their face because all they can think about is that $100, right? Yes. So I think that's a really big thing is know your own boundaries and what's going to let you be really comfortable. I am so that person where like I need, I just, I have like a nest of savings. You know, I'll still feel broke sometimes when I have that because that's where I'm operating from. Whereas like my partner's a lot more of the like, he'd let his bank account get down to a dollar and not be that stressed and be like, well, we've always figured it out, right? So those are two very different personalities. So knowing yourself is a really big part of it. And then also just making sure you do have that financial security, no matter what your position is. And for myself, the biggest shift I think was getting to the point where I was so anxious that I was spending any time on anything that wasn't my business, right? Like the idea of putting eight hours or even six hours at an office 
into something else was starting to feel like suffocating in how counterproductive it was. Right. Because I had so many things to do in my business because it was growing. Right. And there was so much work to be done, um, that I just like could not stand the everyday anxiety of the whole time at work thinking about what I should be doing. Is this what leads into your burnout? I'm sensing that. Is that is this? Because yeah. I'm just feeling you right now. Like I can only imagine having this, you know, corporate career, which sounds like, you know, was probably pressure among on yourself because you're young, you're new, and you got the office when there's people who are probably a bit older, more experienced, you're in the yeah. cubicles. There's a level of like having to perform at that job, which I'm sure added some anxiety. And then you have this business that you're feeling so heart drawn to and you want to be over here. So that must have been a difficult thing to really juggle. Totally. And then throw on top of it a sport that takes three hours in the gym every day, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that's true. So you're still lifting. You're still doing heavy lifting at the yeah. same time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So which in itself was a catch, right? Because that was part of what helped our company grow so much was that we were actually part of our community and people loved that about it. But that also transitioned to a pressure because we were both good at it. And then it became, well, now you have to be good at it, right? You have to be competing at the national level. You have to be placing at the national level, right? And so much of that we put on ourselves, but it was, it was so closely tied to our business that it was such a catch. It's like, well, I can't spend as long in the gym because I need to build this community for you, but you guys all want to see me in the gym, right? Um, So that was a really, really big part of it. And my corporate job as well, I traveled a lot, which I leveraged for my business. So if I was going to be in the States, like in Washington, DC, I would find the best powerlifting gym and I would go in the evenings. But that in itself was exhausting because you would work all day at these meetings and then you would get in like an Uber and go 45 minutes out of the town. You would lift weights with people for like three or four hours, go back and wake up early for the next meeting or the flight right? Mm -hmm. So that definitely led to it. It was a lot of physical, right? We did a lot of powerlifting events. All of our weekends were consumed by it. And I think the biggest thing that stands out to me with that is that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? And I know that's recently been edited by a lot of entrepreneurs to say like, you will never stop working, right? And that's part of it. If you're enjoying it, you don't think that your body could give out with you. You're like, I love all the hours I'm putting into it. I'm having so much fun. But at some point your body is like, I cannot do all of the things that you're doing. And so that was part of what led me to not also notice the burnout as soon as I should have, because I was happy. I was enjoying it until all of a sudden I couldn't anymore. Yeah. So do you mind walking us through that? Because I just think this is like a life-changing experience you can really help people with that aren't listening to the cues. So I'm sure Mm -hmm. looking back in your hindsight, there were so many cues that you didn't pay attention to. Could you walk us through that and what that felt like? Totally. I, I think a lot of the cues are actually like the mental, emotional, and energetic cues. And those are so easy for us to look past. And we've kind of been trained that way, right? Like the whole hustle culture in the startup side in that entrepreneurial world, right? It's people glorifying having their third coffee of the morning, right? Like all of those small things we start to wear as a badge of pride when you start feeling that exhaustion or you feel, you know, just like in the morning, you're so tired or anger was a big one. Like I'm not an angry person, but it felt like everything was irritating me. If, you know, if my photographer did something wrong, I was like, why would he do that? Like it bothered me to my core. And I started to lose the parts of me that I loved. I was losing my personality. And that was the scariest red flags that were being missed because then you started to think, okay, like how am I, I'm 24 and like, I'm already exhausted from life. I feel boring. Like I feel uninteresting because I'm losing like that energy 
to even have happy conversations, right? Everything becomes like a face. So I think that was really telling stuff in hindsight. At the time, I knew it was happening, but it just felt scary. And it just felt like, well, I guess this is me now. Like, have I just become a grumpy old man at 24? (laughs) And that's honestly what I thought because I wasn't noticing the other things, right? And it wasn't till, uh, like I've heard before too, you, you have to listen to your body when it whispers so that it doesn't have to scream. And for a lot of us, we don't know about the burnout until it's screaming. It was to the point I went to the doctors for something else, like a prescription. And she was like, oh, your lungs sound really bad. How long have you been coughing? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I always have this cough and I do have asthma. So for me, a cough isn't something I pick up on the same way as someone else might. And she was like, you definitely have pneumonia. And it was like such a like telling moment because I felt so much relief in that moment, which in itself is pretty messed up, right? Because Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, (laughs) this is why I'm exhausted. This is why my training has been going so poorly, right? Which was adding pressure because when my training was going poor, I had that pressure to perform. So it wasn't giving myself space to just have a bad meet, right? It was like, how can I push through? we're always told to push through these things, yeah. right? Yeah. Especially as high performers. So definitely those, those emotional, mental things that we don't talk about enough. We don't talk about feeling like you've lost your personality as an entrepreneur, right? We talk about, oh yeah, I'm so exhausted in the morning or I'm staying up late. We don't talk about the way that it feels like as a person. Oh, I love this. Okay, can we just unpack that a little bit? Because yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I know what you're saying because I've actually had those moments too where I've completely lost myself and I've never put it as my personality, but that's exactly what it is. I've yeah. lost my personality. I love that you just said that. That is like a takeaway. Can we talk about that though? Like what, what does that mean? What did that mean to you? I mean, I heard you got agitated. You just weren't, you know, thriving the way you normally were. Were you at a point where you were recognizing that a little bit or was it just this like hustle? I actually really just like the word hustle now because I think there's so many negative things that can come from using that word where we feel we can't take a breath. Mm -hmm. We can't relax for a day. Hustle, 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 which leads to where you were. And I've also experienced a burnout myself. And, um, you know, what does that mean to lose your personality? What does it have to be burnout? Can people lose that without burnout? What would be some things that you'd recommend there? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of facets to it, right? Because your life is being consumed by one thing, then that really plays into identity too. So I, you know, you start telling yourself things like, well, you know, people, I'm getting more followers on Instagram because they love watching my training and me getting more followers is then building my business. So that becomes right now I'm, my paycheck becomes dependent on people liking me. And I've told myself they like me because I lift. Whereas in hindsight, they just liked me as a person and I happened to lift and that's what they were interested in following. But so you create those false narratives, which is really dangerous. And then also pulling that identity that's so closely tied. So when I started powerlifting, it was my safe space. It was my safe space to challenge myself to disconnect, right? Which a lot of people do find in the gym. And then where I would say I made a mistake is following that advice, right? Of work in your passion. But what I didn't realize was my passion was also my safe space and I didn't give myself a new safe space. So then when your safe space is now tied to your paycheck, your identity, to everything you're doing, like you just have nowhere to run. You can't hide from it, right? Like I'm sure a lot of people relate to the idea of going to the gym to clear their head. But now when I go to the gym, 
it's no longer about clearing my head. It would be about filming my top set, having a really good working set so that I can put it on Instagram. It was about running into people at the gym that were wearing our apparel and having those like heartfelt conversations when really I needed the time with the squat rack, right? So I think that's a really big piece of it is losing your identity. And we do it to ourselves, right? Like I said, people weren't like, I like you because you power lift, but I had created that narrative and I gave myself a space where I was scared to admit that I couldn't do a meet because I needed to take care of my body. I just kept saying like, oh, I'm doing one in November, right? Instead of saying like, right now, I just can't, right? I think identity, I think having that safe space is really, really important. And for those of us that do naturally hustle, it's actually like you need to remind yourself when you find that next safe space, not to turn it into something, right? I remember last August, I started doing hot yoga and I was really loving it. And my partner's like, you know, would you become a teacher? And immediately I was like, no, because I don't want to make any money from it. I don't want to have any other association with it besides showing up, being on a mat for an hour and not thinking about anything else, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I want to just recap what you just said, because this is so important for entrepreneurs because I think it's also our our design, but we want to monetize when we're passionate about something because it's very natural for us to share things. So it's like, Oh, I love this. I want to tell people about it, you know? And I don't know if I've even been as clear as you just put it about the fact that there's some things that you can just love and don't have to make a part of a brand. You don't have to make it. I mean, you can mention it and show that you do it, but you have Having those spaces just fill your cup. And I love that you learned that lesson. And then when it came Mm -hmm. to hot yoga, you were able to recognize and say, no, 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 no. This is for me. This is like off no boundary. The boundary is set. Actually, the boundary is set. Nobody's allowed in this space. That's really good. I love when people apply the lessons. Yeah. Especially for those of us that do like change so much. I think it's important because my partner's a prime example. He also got really into hot yoga and he was like, so into it, wanted to make a second Instagram account for it. But then within three months from then, he was like only going once every two weeks. And imagine he had heavily incorporated that into his brand. And now his just instinctive notion of, oh, I'm going to go less often has to become this big strategic brand decision. And you've overcommitted yourself, right? It's the same thing. And especially being someone that shares so much personal on social, it's like an even more important lesson, which I'm sure a lot of your viewers are in those positions too. Like we recently got a puppy. And one of my requests was like, I want some time for no one in the world to know that I have a puppy and just recognizing that. And it wasn't a bad thing. It's honestly because I knew so many people would message me about how cute she was and like how fun it is to be a dog mom, but I wasn't ready to welcome that energy. I needed time to just like live in having, also just having like a secret when you share so much on social, I'm like, everyone doesn't need to know today that I spontaneously came home with a puppy, right? Like (laughs) I need to give myself some time to just be with that puppy and like experience it for myself before sharing the experience, right? Like you said, we just want to share everything and it comes so naturally. And we're like, well, everyone should know that a puppy is great. It's like, no, I just want to have the puppy and no one know. And it was so, so sweet to have those moments. Yeah, and she's pretty darn cute. I will she's say, Luna, it's Luna, right? Is her name yeah. Luna? Yeah, Luna. Yeah, she's cute, so cute. And uh, I, okay, so here's the thing. Here's I am really grasping on to the fact that you've learned some really great lessons, and you're so mature for so young in the entrepreneurial space. Like mm-hmm. these things are going to skew so much. I wish I had known what you know when I was your age. I want to go back to the burnout though, if you don't mind, of because course, there yeah. was a physical change yeah. in you other than pneumonia. And this is where I felt very connected to you because when I had reached burnout, 
didn't actually know what it was. I thought I was just in an emotional roller coaster because I was going through a separation and my business was booming. Mm. And I felt like I had to spread myself so thin to make sure everybody was happy. I wasn't looking after myself and I started losing hair, Mm. like chunks that came out of my head. And, um, I didn't think anybody noticed, but people noticed it was hard Mm. not to. So I know you had a similar experience and, um, that was my brick and brick in the head, no pun intended, but like brick in the head moment for me to realize something is very wrong and I'm not feeling well. And my body is reacting to this and I need to pay attention. Can Mm. you tell us a little bit about what that experience is like for you? Yeah. So it, it all unfolded, I'd say pretty quickly. The first thing if I try to think of a timeline, probably would have been, I started getting rashes on my face, which I always say I have the loser gene. (laughs) Like I have eczema, I have asthma. I just like, I'm a very fair skinned person. I just, everything, you know, nerdy in a movie that could happen. I also like, I have glasses. (laughs) I'm like that nerdy person. You just wouldn't see it up front. So yeah, with the loser gene, I started getting a really bad rash on my face, which wasn't totally out of the norm for me, right? Like my norm has always kind of been having things happen with my body that I can't explain. It was pretty bad. Like it literally looked like the map of Africa on my face. Like it was a very clear shape to it, which was very weird too. And taking up my whole cheek, which in itself was difficult because this was when I was traveling for work. I was going to these rooms. And like you said, I'm younger. And at the time I was even younger in these rooms where I'm by far the youngest person. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself, you know, you have to have a certain level of confidence to show up. And then we're really like, oh, sweet. Let me try to cover this huge rash. Also, you don't really want to put makeup on it, right? Because it's like having a reaction. You're not like, let's drop some more chemicals on this. (laughs) (laughs) That in itself started happening. And you know, I didn't read too far into it because skin problems were natural for me. But I I set up meetings with my doctor and that in itself was a super frustrating process, which I think a lot of people have lived through. You know, there's not clear answers and our medical system is kind of set up. Like if you're you're not sick, you're healthy. That was really, really hard for me because I think if I had taken a different approach, I would have made more changes sooner, right? Because when you're like, hey, my face is reacting, they're like, oh, well, maybe it's your mascara. So try a different mascara. And I'm like, I really don't think (laughs) so. But you have to play by their rules a bit, right? It was like, well, try a new mascara for two weeks and then come back. So I was doing that cycle, but I also didn't have time for that cycle with all that I was traveling, right? So two weeks later becomes setting an appointment four weeks later. And then you're told to try another thing and then come back. And so it took me a long time to even get an appointment with an allergist. And even that was a year out. So it kept happening. And then the pneumonia came. And then that's when I started noticing a lot more of the hair loss. Um, I don't know how to explain this one too, but even like at the gym, there's certain equipment, right? That like it pushes against your shoulders, for example, like a hack squat, there's a piece on your shoulders. And when I would get up after, I almost looked like I had like tiger scratches. Like I had thin red marks, like my body was just literally reacting to everything at that point. And that's where it really hit me. And part of that was also coming home. I came home from a lot of travel and this is where it started to all unfold, which now I understand because my body really was, you know, pushing through for me, which was part of the problem. But it was also really frustrating. You know, you're like, I'm finally home. I get to relax. And then your body just starts falling apart because it knows now it has permission to, right? Mm-hmm. So that happened. I had the hair loss. And I have very thin hair. Like I am naturally as blonde as I am. So that comes with having basically baby hair. So for me to lose hair was also very stressful because I, like you said, you didn't think people were noticing. Like I didn't know how to hide it, right? If I put my hair half up, you can probably already see my scalp. So I didn't have hair to lose, but it was going anyways. Mm-hmm. So that, that was very, very difficult. Um, and then trying to navigate it and getting blood work done 
going to that allergist and hearing you're not allergic to anything, right? Um, blood work, nothing's wrong with you. And you start to feel like, well, I feel like all of these things are connected, but all of the professionals I'm working with are saying they're not connected. So that in itself, I think also helps you or causes you to miss those red flags because you're like, my instinct is these feel connected, but all these professionals are saying they're not. But then when I started exploring new spaces, more like natural approaches to health for me, that was really, really life-changing. And that's where people started to say, absolutely, these are all connected, right? There's no way it wouldn't be connected. Like your body's finding every possible angle to speak to you. That's what's happening. I'm so grateful you got that help. And I had the same experience. I had to go more of a natural way. And the doctors would say the same thing to me. They're like, well, maybe you just get more sleep. I'm like, but... I, it, I, it doesn't help. And yeah. so I find it really interesting and I need to do more exploring of that myself and just talking to the right people and bringing them on this podcast to help people mm. really advocate for themselves. Cause I can only imagine how many people don't have that strength or that knowing they know there's something wrong <laughs> and continue that journey and said, sit in it and get really sick. And that's to me just, a yeah. Shame. Well, and for me, it even ended up being an Instagram post in my Explore feed. It was like leaky gut. And then it had these stems and it was pointing out all the different symptoms. And it was the first time I'd ever seen anything on paper that had all of the different symptoms I was experiencing together from like depression and not feeling like yourself to the coughing to like severe stomach bloating, all of these different things. It was the first time anybody was like, here's something that connects all of those dots. And it gave me such peace. And that's what really reignited my journey to finding it. Because at that point, I probably wouldn't have gone much further because you get exhausted, right? It's like, you start feeling a little bit crazy when everyone's like, nope, there's nothing wrong with you. And you're like, that feels really wrong. (laughs) And then when you're told, right, there's nothing wrong with you, you're like, okay, so I just feel this way. And I think that's part of what lended me to feel like, well, this is just me now, right? And that's not something you want anyone to get stuck in. No, you don't. You don't at all. And I'm so glad you were able to find out the solutions and work through that. And so it is a lifestyle change ultimately that probably had to happen. So what happened with your business? Are you still doing that or did you switch? I was lucky to have my partner in it. And then also um, we had like a small team, like our photographer, who was also like Josh's cousin, would happily help us with things, right? We had a small team that really stepped up, which was really, really nice. So it gave me some space to step back a bit, right? To skip some of those events. Also just was a great way to start setting boundaries. Because even since then, certain events, like for example, this year at the national championships, I just didn't go. And it wasn't because of any reasons besides we realized we didn't need two of us there. So why are we putting all of that energy into the weekend, right? So I can do some other things for both of our businesses here. He can do some stuff there. So it definitely helped me create boundaries. For the business itself, we've actually stepped away from the apparel kind of separately um, from all of this because more from a sustainability element of we were really disconnecting with the idea of graphic apparel, of producing collections like six times a year, it was really starting to fall out of alignment for us. Um, And it was really important for us to say that loudly too, right? To say, hey, we're going to actually stop producing, even though we're at a pretty like peak point in our business. And we want to encourage you guys to make better decisions as well about what you're consuming. And so with that, I've kind of shifted into this other side of my business of helping other entrepreneurs and helping them, you know, avoid 
that burnout from the start, but also addressing those really important questions because nobody early on to us said, Hey, do you want to make t-shirts for the rest of your life? Right. And obviously selling is an option, but there's a lot more years that have to go into your business to sell than people think. Right. So we were like, do we even want to put another three years into this to put it into a great position to sell? Right. Those were the questions that really like slapped us in the face when we had to pause things. And so now I'm really trying to help other people think about those things beforehand, right? Because then we don't create businesses that burn us out as easily. That's beautiful. And I love hearing you take your experience and turn around and bless other people through that. That to me is leadership. And I think that's an incredible gift that you're giving others. What would be your like top three things you would be teaching your clients to prevent burnout? What, What are sort of the key things to pay attention to? Well, the first one is actually like with any new client, what I get them to do is some worksheets where we actually just talk about priorities. Like what is the one thing that's really important to you long-term and letting go of what you think it's supposed to be as entrepreneurs, right? Like that financial freedom. Mm Because even in itself, financial freedom for one person could be $1,000 a month. For someone else, a million dollars a month is still not enough, right? So really diving into what you actually want from your business has been the most instrumental to anyone I've worked with because sometimes we realize like people were about to take a really complicated roundabout way to get back to like making their own schedule. Like that was the thing that was truly important to them, but they thought they have to scale like a seven figure business and then remove themselves and make their own schedule. Like if you truly are mostly caring about making your own schedule, you can do so many professions and you could do it tomorrow. Right. So that that's the biggest step one for people. A really concrete example of that would be, I had someone that, you know, wants to make an apparel company because she wants to give back to teen moms and single moms and eventually make an organization for that, like a not-for-profit. Like, why don't you just make that not-for-profit? Right. Why do we have to mask it in something that feels more like a business? Right. Why do we have to, like she was applying to fashion schools, right? Why do we need to do all of that? If, if we're having that raw, honest conversation and you're truly telling me what you want to do is run a not-for-profit for those people, then let's skip all the messy of building an apparel business because that is not a straight... I can tell you personally, it is not a straightforward route to where you want to go, right? So that's always step one. Step two is leaving the traditional behind. So if you don't work well working nine to five, don't work nine to five. If you work really well in the evenings, then work in the evenings, right? I often will take like a Wednesday off and I have no shame working all day Sunday because I'm not actually overworking. Even if someone says like, oh, you're working today and they might be interpreting that that means I've worked six out of seven days this week. I've maybe only worked like three days, but I love working on Sundays because the rest of the world is like shut down, you know? (laughs) So really doing that and even looking at like what I want to do and mapping it out based off my energy, right? In the winter... I will sit at my computer for eight hours a day, no problem. I can build out all these courses. I can do all this work. But in the summer, I cannot sit still, right? So I wanted to build my business in a way where in the summer, I gave myself more freedom. And like, we just don't get told we can do that, right? Like if you're a coach, then you're a coach 12 months of the year. But why can't you just coach clients in the winter, right? Why can't you say, hey, I take six clients a year and I take them from November to March or whatever it might be. And the rest of the year, I don't take one-on-one clients, right? Like that's a thing we can do, but we don't think we can. This is such good advice. I am so, so grateful for you to be giving people this permission. I think that's what I'm hearing from you is you're giving your clients the permission to own their truth and to not feel. Sometimes I think we've leaned into 
buy that it has to be hard, yeah. you know, to be successful, you have to work hard and you have to work hard for a long time and that sort of thing. I love that you're saying, why do we have to do all of these things to prepare for what you ultimately want to do? Let's just do what you ultimately want to do and figure out the rest because right. life works well that way. It really does. But that's trusting. Yeah. And, and I think we're also taught, right? It's the way that retirement is set up. We're taught that like, we're supposed to work hard now so that later we can enjoy it. But if you're being really honest with me and what it is that you want from life, like we might be able to get it for you tomorrow. And that is a weird concept for people. I remember when I shifted into this, the first launch I did, I made really good money and it was really hard for me because I had that notion of you have to work really hard. You have to be putting in 80 plus hour work weeks. And I was like, I didn't do that. <laughs> and I felt this really weird guilt around yeah, it. Yeah. And like, obviously we can get into, I had a pre-existing brand myself, right? Like there was things in place that meant that that happened, but I really struggled to deal with that. I felt like a weird guilt of making a good chunk of money and not feeling like I worked hard enough for it. <laughs> Yeah, that is, that is real because of the expectation of it needing to be hard. And you're right. I think yourself and myself, we came into coaching with a bit of authority because of our past and what we have done and, and the trust we have built. So not everybody can have success right away, but I think it can come much more naturally and in a faster way than anybody anticipates because when you just give yourself permission, like when you agree with that, like just yeah. sit back and just be you and look at your gifts and what you're good at and let them shine, like bring them forward because yep. they're so unique and special and there are people seeking you out. And I, I see that people are seeking you out, which is so good because you're great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think people forget to like the thing that you do so naturally is so life-changing for someone else, right? So you might not feel like, like I might not feel like I worked hard to, you know, set up a course or something, but it's actually all of those experiences, all of that knowledge, the things that come easy to me that don't come easy to someone else is life-changing regardless if it took me two hours or four hours. Right. Yeah. 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 So good. Oh, this is so good. Okay. So I want to take a quick shift if you don't yeah. mind, it's going to go off into another tangent, but I think it's really important because I think these are the things you offer people and I want them to really understand you. So not only do you offer this experience of, of going through burnout and all the lessons that that taught you and, and taking that now and teaching it and leading others not to go there, which I think is really important, especially this day and age, but you also are an expert in Shopify. Hmm. So you know that platform really, really well. You have done other podcast episodes on that. I'd love, do you mind just like doing a summary of what that is? Because there's going to be people listening to this who are like, what's Shopify? Maybe they have a dream and they've never even considered a platform like that. Would you mind explaining right. that a little bit? Yeah. Shopify is an e-commerce platform, which in itself is like a buzzword for some people. So really what it is, is it's a company that's dedicated themselves to helping small businesses operate and be able to sell products online. So they have basically like a website that you could create and sell products. And that's what we use for our first business. Um, and they also have like even like in person. So if you were at an event, you can sell through their platform. Or if you have a physical store, you can actually use their point of sale system. Shopify is also from Ottawa, my city. So like we couldn't not... That. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize because it's so big and successful yeah. that... And it's still there. They have offices elsewhere, but their main office is in Ottawa. Um, so for us, it was definitely some hometown, hometown, uh, pride, yeah. but yeah, Shopify is a really, really great platform, especially having started a business as a student. And also just, I think the way that I am inclined, I am very like, I would say I'm hacky. Like I don't, I'm not the person that's going to go drop all the money. Um, I will always find like the weird workarounds and that's where Shopify is so great. Is it 
takes you like 75% of the way there, right? Like all of those things that you're not sure about, whether it's like, how do I charge taxes for this physical product I'm going to sell? Like Shopify will charge the right taxes for the right provinces as long as you just click a button that asks them to do that, right? Mm, That's so easy. I love that. Yeah. So it's a really, really great platform for anyone looking to start a business. It also has um, like a scale for its package options so you can grow with it as well. And they have really, really incredible support, whether it's finding the information in forums or actually getting on a live chat. They have a really, really great team. So it's, it's a great tool for anyone looking to get started in selling like anything physical. Okay. And what are the benefits? Like, would you start your website over there too? Or is that your recommendation for people? Like start there, let build your website off of that, sell your product versus go build a website on whatever. There's so many other platforms build a website and have this as its own entity. Like what's your recommendation for people? So if you're going to be a physical, like if you're going to sell product, and the reason I'm saying that is because digital product is a whole other game. Like if you're selling eBooks, that's not necessarily, it doesn't have the same benefits as it does for that physical product, right? Because you can integrate shipping, you can integrate all of these things. So if you're going to have a physical product business, you just build that on Shopify. Do not take a minute to build another website because they are really built to support you. And so they have all of the options that you need. So you would actually just build your entire website on Shopify and then the shop is integrated with it. If you are more in like a personal brand or services or digital product space, I would recommend a different platform only in that you don't get to get all of those great, great benefits from it. So there are some downsides like, you know, that whole drag and drop customization that websites like Wix, for example, offer where you can make all of your sub pages really beautiful. You can customize that. You lose some of that with Shopify as it stands right now. So I would say anything like that. My personal website is on Wix because I just find it's like, I'm also really big on lowest barrier to entry for me. If I'm trying a new program and I just find it counterintuitive, I am out of there so fast because I need something that I can just get on, make it look the way that I want and walk away. So I think Wix that type of thing for something like that. And then Shopify, definitely, if you're getting into physical products. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, this is good advice. <laughs> oh, good. Would you say you specialize more in the e-commerce side because of your experience? Or do you find now you're very sort of well-rounded with service and product? I would actually say I end up leaning more into the service side. But I think part of that is just that product is really intimidating for people. So I think there's a lot more people that are like, Hey, I'm good at graphic design. Maybe I could do that myself and offer that as a service, right? So I find that most of my clients are actually in the service space. Um, but I do obviously have that e-commerce side and that's really fun when I get to play with it. So I think I had a very personable and community focused approach to our business, which is part of that as well. So I've been building community and all of that, which is so important in the service based side. So a lot of my clients end up being in like the wellness space or real estate, that kind of area, especially because I talk about alignment, right? I actually noticed I don't get, you know, some coaches, every client wants to make 20K each month right away and they want to have a million dollar business tomorrow. I don't attract a lot of that. I attract people that say, Hey, I know who I am. I know what I want from my business or I want help being sure on that. And I want to make sure it's aligned with my life. That's been the most common factor is like, it needs to make sense for my life. And I want to make money as a result. 
right? It's not the money that's driving. It's like, I want to wake up in the morning excited about my day. And I love working with those people. And that's why so much of it ends up being wellness because I think those people are a bit more woo-woo so they get it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But also like, you know that that's what you're attracting because that's your message and that's your values and your core values are, are, you know, being put onto your social, which you have built this beautiful community, especially locally, which I've always found really fascinating with you. Like you have such a local community group as well. You're, you are definitely a global brand, but have this, like the people within Ottawa, Canada, where you live, you, they just, they know you, they adore you, they follow you. And I think that is so neat because we can't forget the belly connections and relationships on, as a result of all the social are doing. I, I find, and what I'm appreciating about you is there has to be a level of both to balance itself out. And I really appreciated watching you, you know, develop both. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's fun because, and part of that is like, well, one, I was just here more, like I was traveling so much before that, you know, your community does build in LA cause you're there more or Toronto or wherever it might be. So being here was, that was a really nice experience and realizing how many entrepreneurs are here, right. And being able to connect with them on another level. And I think it also comes down to values too, right. I am someone I love bowing for like supporting local, right. Supporting small. So that also means I'm going to talk about Ottawa places, right? Obviously you can't come to the coffee shop in Ottawa that I'm posting about, but I also like to leverage that global audience because maybe if you came to Ottawa, you would come to that coffee shop as opposed to going to the Starbucks because you're like, Oh, I want to check out that place that Mal shared, right? There's so many different facets to it. And it's fun. It's what our reality is too, right? Like I'm in Ottawa. I have community here and online I have global community, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're doing a bang up job. You really are my friend. And I I know this is like the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to see from you. And I love the fact that you are open to changing and and evolving and and being so open to that. I love that you are attracting heart-centered people just the way you are. I think that that's all a testament to how well you're showing up and the leadership you're showing to people. And that's so attractive to us as your audience. So thank you for that. So I love to ask everybody this question. Okay. And I think it's a good one because I named becoming iconic very specifically. Iconic made me a little uncomfortable as a female. I thought, mm. oh, who am I? Like, that's very braggy. And what does that mean that I'm better than somebody else? So I loved that it stirred something in me and it made me very curious about the word. And so it was very strategic that that word is involved in my brand. But I do want to know how Mallory, you are going to be iconic today. Hmm. I just want to say to you that I love that. I love that you like did it kind of because it makes you uncomfortable. It does. <laughs> it's so bold. I remember seeing it. I'm like, okay, damn. Okay. Like that. Yeah. She's, she's yeah. calling it as it is, you know? Yeah. The biggest thing I want to like become iconic through is showing people that you don't have to do it how you think you have to do it, right? You're allowed to make your own terms, right? You're allowed to skip the burnout. You're allowed to make a lot more money and work a lot less and not feel guilty about that, right? You're allowed to be a woman in a male-dominant industry, right? And the opposite, you're allowed to be a male in a female industry, right? You're also allowed to not identify as either, right? I think really just showing people when you start to break the rules, it gives everyone else permission to break the rules. And that's really what I want to leave with. And like you said, that's where I pull in those people that just care about being aligned because I'm showing them that that's okay. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that is a beautiful, beautiful way to end this beautiful conversation. I could go on and on. 
And, uh, you know, I look forward to following you friends again, go to MalloryRowan.com backslash IG bio to get her freebie that she's developed for you. And of course, go over to Instagram, follow her at Mallory Rowan and Mallory's with two L's just so you know, um, follow her over there on Instagram. She gives great content and lots of really beautiful things to consider and think about and to interact with. So thank you so much for the honor of this conversation and being here today. Yeah. Thank you for it. I'm sure we could talk all day. We could. <laughs> I think we could. So thank you so much. We'll have to do a part two and have you on again. I would love that and, and dig more into the things you're learning going forward. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how grateful I am. My heart is here to serve and build a beautiful community. And in that, I do want to mention something that's very important and exciting. I have a new freebie over at the website. Okay. So our website is jenspiegel.com. Shoot over there, pick up your new freebie. It is a 14 day launch strategy. This launch strategy has been used by hundreds of people and I'll let you know a hundred times over over, it has been uber successful because it is very succinct, concrete, and systematic on how to get out your new program, your new podcast. Maybe you're launching a new business. It does not matter what it is. Any launch needs a strategy. And so I am giving this to you for free. Shoot over to the website, download it. I promise you it will make the world of difference in terms of sales, promotion, engagement, excitement over that next launch you have. I'm so excited to gift it to you because I only ever gave this to my VIP clients, but I knew it was just another way I could give back to this beautiful community we're building. So let me know what you think of it. Please, if you feel so inclined, leave a review today, shoot me off a message in the DM, share the podcast. It is the best way to continue building this community of beautiful people. And I just want to wish you a great day. But in fact, icons, why don't we go make it a great day? Mwah.